Welcome. You're listening to Faith vs. Weight with Maria Bauer. Maria is a former U.S. Navy Health Information Systems Officer, current health and wellness coach, and author of the book, Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. As a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer specializing in weight loss, fitness nutrition, behavioral change, and women's fitness, Maria is also a former Live Strong YMCA cancer survivor trainer. Now, here's your host, Maria Bauer. Hello and welcome. I'm so excited to share week three of the following seven-week podcast series with you based on excerpts from my book, Faith versus Weight. Inspired by the Word of God, Faith versus Weight is a proven and practical health and wellness program that has helped many, just like you and me, achieve our weight loss victory by introducing our third biblical virtue of the week, faith, how to get it, even if you don't think you have any when it comes to losing weight. Did you know that most of the everyday lifestyle decisions you make are ultimately affected by your faith or lack of it? This applies to all areas, including your weight. The reason why many don't choose to have faith when it comes to losing weight is that we are afraid of being let down. Doubt, which is basically a lack of faith, almost always has a fear component. The only way to get over this fear is to grow in your faith and then act on it. Why is an active faith so important? Because, according to the Bible, your life is not a foregone conclusion. There is a variable besides you and the Lord, and that variable is your faith. Not only does your faith affect your actions, it can also affect God's actions on your behalf. The Bible dramatically describes different outcomes based solely on a person's faith or lack of it. The following verse describes a woman who was suffering for years from a debilitating disease, but was healed because of her faith. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Mark 5.34 The very next chapter of Mark describes an incident where Jesus' ability to heal and perform miracles was wasted solely because of a lack of faith. He was amazed by their lack of faith. Mark 6.6 In the first case, Jesus tells us it was the woman's faith that healed her. He did not take credit for her healing, even though her healing came through him. So if he is not taking the credit and she could not heal herself without him, how exactly did her faith heal her? Immediately, Jesus perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Mark 5.30. He is clearly telling us that when she touched him, the power had gone out of him. Anybody could have touched his clothes, but only one woman did it in faith. Because of the sheer volume of people, the disciples thought it was ridiculous that Jesus was trying to figure out who touched him. His disciples said to him, you see the multitude pressing against you and you say, who touched me? Mark 5, 31. Apparently, Jesus was not satisfied by this comment. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Mark 5, 33. He wanted everyone, including you and me, to hear the whole truth. I imagine she had to share the depth of her despair along with how she believed Jesus was the only one capable of healing her. Apparently, she was right. Jesus then told her in front of everyone she was healed because of her 
faith. He did not say she was healed because she touched him. He said she was healed because of her faith. That's because Jesus knew she would never have touched him if it were not for her faith. Her faith had to precede her actions. The same goes for you and me. First, she had to have faith in the power of Jesus in order to access it. If she did not believe Jesus was capable of healing her, she would not have pushed through that crowd. She would not have gotten within an arm's length of his body. She would not have touched the hem of his clothes. She would not have been healed. None of this would have happened had she not first had faith in his ability to heal her and second, acted on it. The Bible tells us this woman had been bleeding for several years. She was probably worn out before she even started. Yet her faith was so strong, she acted on it. But what about the cases where people have great faith and yet their miracle did not seem to come, at least not according to our timeline or our standards? Sometimes the answer is delayed. It may be fulfilled here or in heaven, but either way, the message from these two passages is clear. If you want to be a part of a miracle, you greatly enhance your odds of participation by acting out in faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1 The woman who was miraculously healed from a condition causing her to bleed for 12 years had spent all of her money and had been seen by many doctors. Instead of getting better, she just got worse. It would have been easier for her to give up than to have faith. There are many people who feel this way about their weight. How about you? Although the situation may differ, the feeling of hopelessness is the same. But can you imagine what this woman would have let slip through her fingers had she not put her hope in Jesus, had she not acted out in faith? I know a lot of people who believe they have faith but do not act on it when it comes to their health. Action is a part of faith. What if the woman mentioned above had started thinking it was too hard to get to Jesus, or maybe he really couldn't do what she thought he could do? Why wasn't she healed already? Why should she have to push through a crowd to get to him? What if she was just too tired? Who could blame her? No one. Yet what would she have abandoned had she not acted out in faith in this particular area or at all? Imagine what you may be abandoning by your not acting out in faith. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Mark 6, 5. We don't hear much about the miracles Jesus did not perform, but here is a clear example of what happens when faith is lacking. The Nazarenes happened to be his relatives and childhood friends growing up, yet they couldn't get past the idea that the person they had known their whole life had anything special to offer. Can you imagine being so close to your miracle and not having enough faith to receive it? Of course you can. We do it every day. It's time to take a faith inventory concerning your health. What are your foregone conclusions when it comes to your weight? Do you believe with your whole heart he is more than capable of healing you? 
If so, then your next step is to step out in faith. Just as the woman above had to first believe, she then had to act on her belief. In her case, this meant fighting the crowd. In yours, it may mean fighting doubt. It may mean going to the supermarket and buying healthy food again. Maybe it means buying an exercise bike or joining a gym if you haven't already. It will mean picking the menu item with the best nutritional profile. It will mean hydrating and packing your snacks. More importantly, it will mean taking the time to start each new day reading your Bible. Do you want to be in the faith category of the healed woman or of the Nazarenes? Assuming it wasn't going to happen anyway, so why bother? The point is, this woman had a faith that caused her to act. What about you? First, she had to get over her fear. So how do you get that kind of faith? The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Fortunately, faith in all areas, even the ones you have given up on, is not as hard to come by as you might think. The reason many struggle with faith is that they try to do it on their own. Faith is not a one-person show. Hearing requires two people. We need a speaker and a listener. I had tried to read the Bible many times in my life, but I could only handle a passage or two here and there, as if I were reading a fortune cookie or checking out my horoscope. Since I realized I couldn't pronounce half of the names in the Bible, listening to the YouVersion Bible app quickly solved this problem. But the real reason I kept listening is that listening made the Bible come alive for me. I could finally tell if someone in the Bible was happy, surprised, sarcastic, or mad by listening to the reader's voice inflections. So yes, in my case, faith really did come from hearing. Reading the entire Bible, vice versa here and there, is like the difference between following someone on Twitter and being married to them. This changed and continues to change my life as I grow in my walk with the Lord. It takes commitment. For me, this meant setting aside time first thing in the morning. Yes, the first mornings were hard, but then my body began waking up before my alarm. By the third day, it was a new habit. I have since cut out some unnecessary nonsense from my day so I can get to sleep when I need to in order to wake up earlier. Since I also exercise in the morning, sometimes I find a way to combine the two. When I travel, you will see me on an exercise bike or treadmill at a local gym or the hotel gym, listening to the Bible. I also do this at home when I do indoor workouts. Instead of binge watching a series late at night, I might watch one show and then call it a day so I can spend time with God in the morning. Increasing my faith while improving my health. I promise you this is a fantastic way to start your day. We are also created to be in fellowship with other believers. If you are not already at a church that teaches the entire Bible, find a place of worship where the Word of God is preached. Both time alone with God as well as time with other believers are necessary in order to build your faith muscles. And we need these faith muscles especially when it comes to weight management. It only takes one selfie at a bad angle or one iffy comment from a family member and we start doubting. Some days you may feel as if you are more likely to get struck by lightning than to lose the weight and keep it off, even if you think you are eating healthy and making it to the gym whenever you can. It's time to take a look at what I like to call the two-year gym experiment. 
Before starting a family, I was a member of a Jewish community center, JCC, in the San Francisco Bay Area and absolutely loved it. It was a premier fitness facility. However, in between my two pregnancies, I wound up suspending my JCC membership and found a pool to swim at that was closer to home. Two years later, I returned to the JCC. I might not have noticed the following changes in members' fitness levels had I been there the entire time, but this is what I saw. After two years of going to the gym, some of the members remained relatively unchanged. After two years of going to the gym, some of the members declined in their fitness level. After two years of going to the gym, a few of the members dramatically improved. They were barely recognizable. I realized it had been for all these people, regardless of their result, two years of getting in the car and driving in Bay Area traffic to come to the gym. Two years of paying membership fees and dues. Two years of sacrificing family time, free time, work time, and leisure. This scenario is not unique to the JCC. The same scenario plays out in every gym across the country. So how do the few people who were able to achieve success make such amazing progress? Every single one of them cleaned up their diet and added strength and interval training. I couldn't have had a more powerful imprint in my brain of what smart eating and resistance exercise along with interval cardio training can do. Since it had been two years, it was almost like seeing a before and after video. It was crystal clear that jogging on the treadmill while subsisting on smoothies and energy bars was not going to cut it. Strength training while eating burgers and fries isn't going to get you there either. If you want results, you need to clean up your act both inside and out of the gym. You may want to ask yourself, have I really worked this hard to get to this stage of my life to make these sacrifices, to raise a family, to improve my education, to make partner in my firm, to run a successful company, or to hit a milestone birthday in order to waste time? I hope not. Yet this is what most people are doing at the gym. Exercising some is certainly better than none, but exercise has never been proven as an efficient way to lose weight on its own. As my first trainer in the Navy, Petty Officer Harris, used to say, while I was hurrying down the hallway trying to hide a piece of chocolate cake, fitness doesn't start in the gym. Think of what you could accomplish in three or six months, let alone two years, if you continue to clean up your eating, incorporate strength training, and add interval cardio some to most of the time. More on this later. So maybe the two-year gym experiment was too strong of a title to use for this scenario. This was not exactly a double-blind clinical control study, but does it matter? the results would still be the same. As one of my Navy instructors used to say, same circus, different clowns. Although the above scenario sounded like a gym story, it was, but it also was an eating story. Only the resistance training and interval cardio part happened in the gym. Interval training, which is increasing your speed every three to five minutes while doing cardio, is much more efficient than just racking up mileage, causing wear and tear on your knees on the treadmill. Strength training only requires resistance. It does not require heavy loads. You don't need to bench press 300 pounds, but you do need to lift some type of weight. 
However, the main point here is what happens the other 23 hours of the day when you are not at the gym. Many people that go to the gym overestimate the benefit. I know because I'm a frequent flyer. I see it all the time. Because you work out, you might be tempted to loosen up a little bit as time goes on and not realize it. What's the big deal with the 3 p.m. stop at your buddy's candy jar on the way to the printer or the second piece of cake for an anniversary, birthday, promotion, or baby shower at work? These were all special occasions, right? Does it make a difference that the healthy salad you ordered in the cafeteria for lunch had the fat and sugar content of an eclair? It's green, right? Besides, the dressing, candied nuts, and cranberries have antioxidants. At least that's what the package says. Oops, in the real world, cranberries are actually not sweet. Oh well. And since you had a virtuous salad, surely you are now entitled to the cookies left over in the break room. Besides, you did the elliptical the day before yesterday. You were just going to have one, but somehow you seem to keep finding reasons to make just one more copy and take another pass through. For now, your pants are feeling a little bit tight, but aren't things supposed to shift as we get older? What difference does it make? Ask me in two years. Many people think they are eating healthy, but they are still taking in more refined carbohydrates and sugar than they would like to admit, even to themselves. The point here is, gym or not, you still need to practice preventative eating as discussed in week one. Exercise is necessary, but it's not an excuse to eat sugar all day if you actually want to be healed. In the meantime, I want you to recognize that too many of us are settling. Jesus never settled and neither should you. Settling in one area of your life usually leads to an expectation of mediocrity in others. You were not created to settle. What other area of your life would you spend the same amount of time and money you spend on diet and fitness settling for these lackluster results? You don't have to have an MBA to figure out this is a lousy return on your investment. We almost expect this area to be a net loss. On top of that, we wind up just blaming ourselves. Most people do not give up because they are lazy. They give up because of a lack of faith. Most have lost faith in their ability to make sustained progress with diet and exercise. You are not going to take care of your health if you do not believe you have a chance at attaining your dream of a healthy lifestyle. Have you abandoned this dream? God did not create you to settle. He has a vision for your life and health. It's a big kingdom and someone has to be his hands and feet. There is plenty of work to be done, but you and I have got to take better care of ourselves in order to do it. Since being overweight is now the norm in our society, many don't think they have settled when it comes to taking care of their health. So let me ask you, would you want your kids to feel the same way about their health as you or maybe most adults do? Is this our new normal? They deserve a healthier version for their tomorrow. Unfortunately, I recently spoke with an orthopedic nurse who discussed a patient about to undergo a leg amputation due to diabetes. This is an everyday occurrence in our hospitals with no end in sight. We also have children who are seen every day in the U.S. with diabetes. Is what we are eating worth this? If what we are eating is something we can't live without, then why is it killing us? 
It's time to change your brain. When I jump to conclusions, my husband reminds me of the difference between correlation and causation. Just because something is associated with something, correlation, does not mean it will automatically cause it to happen, causation. Having rampant obesity in your family does not mean you are doomed to the same fate. I know because I have it in my family and was considered obese as a child. When I teach classes, I ask the following questions. Who do you limit when you believe something is impossible for God? Everyone points to themselves. Who else do you limit when you believe something is impossible for God? After thinking about it, everyone points to the ceiling. Remember, your life is not a foregone conclusion. You are not the only variable. Isn't that why Jesus came? So you could have new life in Him? When you overcome a struggle in His name, He gets the glory. Oftentimes, this is the whole point of the struggle, but there's another piece to it. You are delivered. He is glorified regardless whatever the struggle is. Just because you've tried countless diets, plans, and gyms does not mean you will never see the light at the end of this tunnel. You might make assumptions like this one. If I have failed at every other diet and exercise attempt, this will be no different. First off, you have not failed. You have succeeded in finding ways that did not work for you. Regardless of one's personal faith, I see the same look in people's eyes when the topic of losing weight first comes up and again at the midway point. It starts with a flash of hope, then a twinge of fear, and ultimately resignation. The warning signs appear shouting, keep out, don't fall for it, it's a mirage. This happens in healthcare facilities multiple times a day when doctors have to tell their patients to lose weight. It's not that we don't want to lose weight. We have just concluded we are too weak to make better choices and we are correct. This is exactly what Satan wants us to believe. However, the point of this podcast series is not to dwell on the knowledge of our weaknesses, but to apply the power of God's wisdom to our choices. To God belong wisdom and power. Counsel and understanding are His. Job 12, 13. Just as your faith is not a foregone conclusion, neither is your weight. Your weight is simply based on a series of choices made over a period of time. That's it. Once medical issues have been ruled out, anyone who tells you anything else is lying. For most people, it is about choices. The choices you make are influenced by whether or not you want to lose weight and whether or not you believe you can do it with God's help. If you have already ruled God out of this equation, the devil has won. You will continue to focus on your own weaknesses. Many Bible-believing Christians who have faith in God struggle with weakness in this area. It's okay. Your weakness is not holding you back. It's your focus on your weakness that is holding you back. Instead, when you focus on God's ability to help you make better choices, you access God's power, just like the woman who was healed by touching Jesus. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest on me. 2 Corinthians 12.9 If you are struggling, ask the Lord your God what you can do to overcome blaming something or someone else, even if that someone is yourself. If you are still stuck, keep asking. The problem is too many people give up too soon and quit asking. I ask God to reveal things to me every single day, multiple times a day. No one else can give better advice. You have a choice. 
You can believe in your creator's ability to help you change your life, or you can believe in whatever self-imposed labels you have allowed to stick. Your past experiences may be embedded in your brain as a foregone conclusion. Exposing these issues is the first step toward health and fullness of life. You still have doubt? But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. James 1.6 If you are still wondering, do you really think I can lose the weight? You're not alone. This is the number one question either asked or thought by every client. The next question to ask yourself is, why not? Do you think your friend can do it or your neighbor down the street? Do they possess superpowers you do not? There's no reason for people medically cleared not to lose weight when they eat healthy and exercise. Yet doubt is the number one thing most people have to overcome. You do have to do some planning, but the planning required is no more than necessary in any other area of your life. As a matter of fact, it is less. While the energy you gain will improve your chances of success in all other areas. Let me ask you this. Would you reject your dream job just because you have to fill out an application? Once you get the job, don't you have an initial adjustment period? Do you think that today you will do your best on this job, but tomorrow you will slack off? Chances are you wouldn't be in that position very long with that attitude. Don't you have to do some planning to reach your goals in this job? On second thought, maybe it's too hard. Maybe you should not apply at all. Besides, you might not even get the job. It sounds too hard. Whatever you do, don't let doubt make decisions for you. There are enough people who will say no to you in your life. Don't add to the list by saying no to yourself. If you happen to be in the category where you are struggling to eat healthy with your current schedule, pack food the night before or the morning of. There are also plenty of zero cook and restaurant options provided in the book. If you are already eating healthy, it may mean just tweaking 100 to 200 calories a day, usually carbohydrates or fats over time. You may need more protein. You may need a way to wake up your metabolism with more movement, interval training, or an adjustment to your strength training routine. Frequency and types of exercises will be covered in this and upcoming podcasts. In the Faith versus Weight book on Amazon, I also get into a lack of confidence, lack of discipline, guilt, bad genes, aging, aversion to or no time for exercise, extreme workouts, fast food, working conferences, fasting, and cleansing, and finally, from baby weight to menopause. Now we are ready to talk about making your next move. One of the reasons many women lose faith in exercise while trying to lose weight is because they seem to bulk where they don't want to bulk while barely losing any weight. This is not all in your head. It happens because we tend to work the areas we want to lose the hardest. The problem with this approach is that when we work problem areas the hardest, we almost always increase resistance. Increasing resistance builds muscle. It's true. You are not going to turn into a heavyweight lifter overnight. However, your muscle will increase in size with heavier resistance. Although this may sound great for your metabolism, we typically eat more than the slight metabolic increase we get. This is why some women are working so hard only to find that they are bulking in an area they are trying to minimize while barely losing any weight. With this comes discouragement and later that night, a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Although you want muscle, 
women who are losing weight are not looking to increase in size. So how do you work around this? Years ago, high repetition and low weight workouts came on the scene. Many saw working out with light weights as a complete waste of time, which is true if you only do the traditional 10 to 12 reps. However, if you ensure proper form while increasing the repetitions to 20 or more while increasing speed, you can fatigue the muscle without causing it to significantly increase in size. This is called strength endurance. If you minimize rest in between exercises, your heart rate will be close to a cardio workout as well. All of my client weight loss workouts are based on strength endurance. For weight loss purposes, there is no need to ever lift heavy. In fact, heavy lifting can work against you when trying to lose weight. Heavy lifting can spike cortisol levels and increase appetite. This happens when you see women kill it at the gym and then go out for a mega-sized smoothie or bagels and cream cheese right afterward because they're starving. The same applies to cardio. Cranking up the stair climber to a level 12 is like weightlifting for your legs. Instead, level 1 or 2 on an exercise bike, pedaling at a faster RPM with 3-5 to five minute intervals of 1 minute speed increases is a better way to gain strength endurance without bulking. If this sounds too easy, you are not pedaling fast enough when it comes to your one minute sprints. Sprinting on the bike also utilizes fast twitch versus slow twitch muscles. Fast twitch are a greater help with weight loss. When you use fast twitch, your body has to tap into fat stores. Choosing the right type of exercise can make all the difference in the world. This podcast will now give you specific recommendations for your body type. Future podcasts will give you overall tips to help you get to the next level. Remember to consult your physician before starting any exercise plan and pay attention to your heart rate to make sure that you are not overdoing it. If you are a visual learner, body type exercise information is included in the Faith vs. Weight book on Kindle for $3.99. We will start with apples. If you are an apple and carry most of your weight in your midsection and upper body, here are some tips for you. For cardio, your goal is to burn visceral or abdominal fat. Get on the bike and do interval training. Again, this is back to using those fast twitch muscles by sprinting every few minutes. This is the easiest way to burn the most visceral fat. However, apples are the only body type that I recommend cranking up resistance on the bike in between sprint intervals because apples tend not to bulk in their lower body. I recommend resistance in between intervals. During your one-minute sprint intervals, just like everyone else, I recommend keeping the resistance very low while pedaling at a high RPM. So what would that look like? If you regularly do cardio every three to five minutes, have higher resistance and pedal slower. Then lower the resistance to level one and pedal as fast as you can for one minute, keeping your heart rate in check. Repeat this cycle. This workout is an apple's best friend when it comes to incinerating belly fat. On the elliptical, you can do the same. Climb stairs and walk up hills whenever you can. Choose kickboxing over boxing. For strength, squats and lunges with no weight are best. Your body weight provides enough resistance. Keep upper body exercises to low weight with high reps, since this is where you tend to bulk. Pilates or bar method are a great choice for apples. Work on your posture. Hula hoops are great for your core. Try doing it in both directions. If you are a pair and your hip width is wider than shoulder width, here are some tips for you. For cardio, your answer is high rep 
low or no resistance for your legs the entire time. Fast walking, cycling with low resistance, but with high RPM, this means pedal faster, or slow jogging. Pairs that do not want to bulk are actually better off with slow jogging or fast walking instead of sprinting on the treadmill. Running sprints tends to bulk your lower body, whereas interval cycling with zero resistance in a sprint tends to lean pairs out. Save your sprints for low resistance on the bike or the elliptical, not the treadmill. If you regularly do cardio, every three to five minutes, just increase your speed for one minute, not your tension. If you turn up the tension, you most likely will bulk before you start losing in that area, which is exactly what most pairs are trying to avoid. On the elliptical, keep the tension low and every three to five minutes, go backward for one minute. You can move your arms when going forward, but hold on to the stationary arm holds when going backwards. Going backwards works different leg muscles and helps pairs with this problem area. Swimming is a great addition. Avoid stair climbers and hill workouts since they tend to bulk pairs. Instead, walk faster with no incline. There is no need to jog unless you enjoy it. Choose boxing instead of kickboxing. Keep resistance low the entire time in spin class. You can challenge yourself by pedaling faster during the class climbs. For strength, I still recommend low weights with high reps. However, you can incorporate more intense moves for your upper body. Push-ups, modified included, are a great addition. Modified pull-ups and chin-ups are also a great addition. Limit lunges, squats, and mountain climbers. Best leg exercises are sets of leg lifts, forward, side, and back. High reps with a minimum of 20 per set. If you are an hourglass with your chest and hips being similar in width with a smaller waist, these tips will work best for you. For cardio, your answer is high rep, low or no resistance for your entire body, fast walking, jogging, not sprinting, cycling with zero or low tension, but with high RPM. That means pedal faster. If you add resistance, you may bulk before you start losing. And typically you are trying to avoid this. On the elliptical, keep the tension low and every three to five minutes go backwards for one minute. Move your arms when going forward, but hold on to the stationary arms when going backwards. Avoid stair climbers and hill workouts. Swimming is great. Choose boxing over kickboxing. For strength, keep upper and lower body resistance to low weights with high reps. Minimize lunges, squats, and mountain climbers. Best leg exercises are sets of leg lifts, forward, side, and back. High reps with 20 minimum per set. RPM is revolutions per minute. Finally, if you are a rectangle with chest, hips, and waist all similar in measurements, then these tips will work for you. For cardio, same as hourglass until you reach your goal weight, which is high rep, low resistance for your entire body. Once you reach your goal, pick whatever exercise you enjoy and go for it. Your weight muscle increases tend to evenly distribute. For strength, start with low weights with high reps for your total body until you reach your goal. Once you reach your goal, you can increase load as you are comfortable with your weights and your results. Make sure you do oblique moves to create a waist. Think about adding a Pilates class. Hula hoops are great for your core. Try both directions. Keep in mind, strenuous exercise does increase cortisol, which increases a host of other things, including weight. There's no need to overdo it. 
The following applies to every body. For balance, practice getting on and off a BOSU at the gym. At home or at the gym, stand on one leg, doing various leg lifts with the other. This also improves core strength. For power, this is explosive strength. Think throwing a weighted ball, which is a fun way to mix things up. Boxing and kickboxing are also power workouts. For flexibility, yoga is great. But if you barely have time to do cardio and strength, at least completely stretch before bed. Everyone needs to work on balance and flexibility. Power is a bonus. Invest in an exercise bike for home use and a few light weights. This is a no-brainer. I cannot tell you how many people never make progress because they are unable to make it to the gym for a week or for a month. Learn to adapt to unpredictable schedules, making exercise a priority. Pilates and bar method are a great choice for everyone, but they can especially make a difference for apples and rectangles. Pay attention to your heart rate to make sure that you are not overdoing it, regardless of what your body type is. Never look at exercise alone as a way to lose weight. As we age, we are not able to do enough in order to influence the scale. However, when combined with the right kind of eating, exercise does help maintain weight. It also has impact beyond the physiological ones of controlling blood sugar, improving brain health, strengthening bones, and helping your heart. Exercise increases your vitality. It is a fountain of youth when it comes to your energy, also providing you with mobility and agility. It can also provide a confidence boost when losing weight if you choose the right exercises described for your particular body type. In order to make lifestyle changes, at some point you will have to take a stand. I will never forget one group in particular I facilitated at the YMCA. A participant was going through a nasty divorce and came to class every week looking like she was at the end of her rope. I wondered how she even mustered enough energy to get in her car at the end of her long day, drive in traffic, and then climb the stairs to class. She never smiled. In the meantime, most of the class was making steady progress and reporting their victories. Although this woman did not seem to be overtly making progress, she kept showing up. One day, she opened up about another woman in the cubicle next to her who had a candy jar on her desk and always pushed her to eat it so she would, quote, feel better. At least this woman was now participating, but she still did not seem to be reaping any real benefit from the class. Over time, most of the class was understanding, but did not expect great changes from this woman. Then one day she came in with a huge smile and a take charge attitude toward life. She looks so different. I realized that was because I had never seen her smile. She announced she had slowly started following the healthy eating plan and was losing weight. Obviously, she had not lost a significant amount of weight since she had just started, but her entire demeanor had changed. She told her coworker, thanks, but no thanks. She announced she was done overdoing sugar. She said she was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Everyone in the class was speechless, including me. She appeared to be the least likely to succeed, yet her progress continued. Then another classmate perked right up and said, if she can do it, I can do it. And she did. Now we were all smiling. You need faith in order to believe you can make permanent lifestyle changes toward a healthier you. Ask the Lord to increase your faith and your ability to positively influence your own health and eventually those around you. 
Not having faith affects your neighbor. We have all been through times where we needed someone else to have faith in us when we didn't. Sometimes we need to see people having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in their own area of struggle. The lady described above kept coming back even before she thought she was going to make any changes. She saw others asking the Lord for help in order to make progress. She started having faith in the process, but first she had to see others benefiting from their faith in the Lord and their progress. She had to hear them tell their stories. Eventually, she influenced the rest of the class by telling her story. Faith can be contagious. If you and I don't have enough faith as Christians to take care of our bodies, who will? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18 In closing, I will leave you with these thoughts. Do the choices you make reflect your faith and your ability to lose weight? If not, examine whether or not you have faith in this area. If you are struggling, ask for a double portion of faith. Do you have the kind of faith that would touch Jesus in a crowd? If not, take steps to increase your faith. Start with listening to the Bible. It is the greatest story ever told about faith. When you examine your doubts, can you see how these lies may be planted by the enemy? When you examine your faith, can you see times in the past where your faith manifested itself in truth? Can you see how your level of faith is directly impacting your decisions today as well as tomorrow? Do you believe what the Bible says about faith? Do you still believe it when it comes to your weight? Are your foregone conclusions holding you back? Faith is contagious, and so is doubt. Notice how your faith affects others. When it comes to weight loss, healthy eating is number one. Movement is second, but extremely necessary for good health and weight management. For longevity, do resistance training and mix in some interval cardio. Movement is linked to longevity. If you are not exercising already, write down three possibilities. Now write down three ways you might better enjoy your time while doing them. Maybe listening to an audio version of the Bible, worship music, an audiobook, or your favorite show. Ask God to help you like exercise. Exercise for your body type and start seeing results. Do you have a backup exercise plan at home in an area of the house that is accessible when you need it? Don't allow travel to be an excuse not to exercise or to eat as if there is no tomorrow. You gain weight on the road the same way you do at home. If you need a review on this, go back to week two, temperance. This doesn't mean you cannot ever have a small sample or a treat of a specialty of the house as a dessert while traveling. You just can't have it all day for seven days and wonder why you are not making progress. Have a small amount at the end of each day for dessert as part of your plan. You can have dessert every day on this plan, whether you are traveling or not, as long as you remember this is not the last supper. I can't wait to hear how this podcast series changes your life. Join the Faith vs. Weight podcast group on Facebook, a place for Faith vs. Weight podcast listeners to share their journey. If you enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. They are based on excerpts from my book, Faith vs. Weight, available at Amazon, the Prestonwood Bookstore, and Barnes & Noble, Beltline Road, Dallas. Thank you for listening to Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. 
keep up with Maria's class offerings, speaking engagements, or just to follow Maria on social, check out mariabauer.com. Consult your physician before starting any weight loss or exercise program.